homage to speak in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. About uh, two weeks ago, now already, um, I visited Zambia as part of a ministry um, trip, along with some priests from Natal and Boitepo, our youth coordinator here at St. George's. Um, it was expected that Bishop Steve would have joined us, but he um, went off to Lambeth Conference, where he is right now in Canterbury, which I'll mention this morning as well. Um, it was a very important mission in that it was a strategic encounter and meetings happened. Uh, Zambia, um, in the communion within the Anglican Church, is important for various reasons as part of the province of Central Africa, which consists of the countries of Botswana, Zimbabwe, Malawi, and Zambia. We had the opportunity to meet the Archbishop um, during an ordination service uh, on our first Sunday there. Uh, there are two um, dates that particularly stand out within the organization of the Anglican Communion most recently, and that was in 2016, uh, and in 2005 as well, but most chiefly the most recent one in 2016, when Lusaka hosted the ACC, or what is known as the Anglican uh, Consultative Council. And it basically is um, a meet every two or three years, and it's basically a, uh, a group of a body that meets um, during the period when the Lambeth Conference happens, which is only every once every decade. So how, going to Lambeth is very significant now for Bishop Steve. As in his tenure, this will probably be the only chance that he ever goes to a Lambeth Conference. And uh, during these decades periods, they have the ACC meetings. And in 2016, it was a very important one uh, because the issue again was raised about um, the uh, about sexuality and the biblical interpretation thereof and the church's position, which is still the controversy that is raging right now in Canterbury in England. Um, and Lambeth Conference hopefully would affirm the commitment that they made in 2016 to to affirm communion that regardless of the differences and the disagreements within the Anglican Church, um, there can still remain a sense of unity and cooperation of brotherhood, of sisterhood within the Church, because none of us want to see the Church break up. The question, I suppose, is what is communion? How do we define communion? What does it mean spiritually, uh, organizationally? And this has been very complex questions that have been tried to be, tried to be answered, especially now as Lambeth Conference um, happens, uh, when literally hundreds, uh, almost 700 bishops around the world gather in one place during one time. But more than anything, it resembles um, a microcosm of globalization. The Anglican Communion is present in 167 countries around the world. It represents um, millions of Christ followers in the tradition of Anglicanism. And so the question may be, is like, why did we then go on mission to Zambia? It's a common question that we have to answer when there is so much need literally just around the corner from us. And for us, I think it's the shared history that we, that we have with Zambia. During our visit there, we, we got to meet um, um, 
and we got to go to Tambu, Oliver Tambu's house, when he was in exile for for almost well, more than two decades in Zambia, and he was given refuge by Kenneth Kwanda when uh, when because of the independence that Zambia experienced uh, as early as the late 60s. Um, well, during the decade of the 60s, early 60s, <laughs> um, that long before South Africa had independence. And KK really ushered in this idea of the pan-Africanism, the migration of African people groups uh, over the continent that Thabo Mbeki wanted to uh, reinvigorate through this notion of the African Renaissance. And right now there's even discussions of a single passport and this idea that we as an African continent will need to work together and better. And yet, as, we, as I speak, there, there's an operation called uh, Operation Dudula. I'm not sure if you've heard about this. It started in Soweto a few years ago, and it's basically a xenophobic organization that tries to push out all immigrants from South Africa. And, um, and it started with Nigerians, now focusing on Zimbabweans, and what will be the next step? Those who look just foreign, those who are not part of us, the other. And this is truly the persecution of, uh, and discrimination of people that uh, we haven't seen um, for a long time. And I think it truly resembles what Thabo Mbeki uh, echoes when he said this in the last week or so, that there is warning signs of insta growing instability in South Africa. And where does South Africa find itself? Where does Africa find itself in the global um, political arena? Africa, I think, is stuck between its allegiance to the West, somewhat of its past colonial masters, and the BRICS, especially playing out now with the war in the Ukraine, and, and which side of the war uh, do we find ourselves on. And if we look at Africa, we think of state capture in South Africa as being this really big problem. Um, but economic pressure is placed on African governments all the time by multinational corporations. Um, we speak of state, state capture here in South Africa, but what about large mining firms operating across the continent and countries that have formed part of China or Russia or even America trying to vie and persuade people, the governments of African nations, to side with them to, to exploit its resources. And so Africa, you know, my experience of it is truly a fascinating continent because it's not just simple. It's a complex emergence and confluence of spirituality, religion, along with politics. It's never quite as simple as we think it is, because there's a deeper layer of spirituality that overflows and spills over into the political arena. The, um, and it brings us back to this whole thing of what, what it means to be Anglican within the communion and the events happening right now at, in Canterbury. The differences that the bishops are voicing regarding their stance on the Bible and the traditions of the Anglican Church does it not have subtle overtones still of colonialism, of 
the West trying to overpower the the uh, Africa or the global south, and now the global south is pushing back, trying to reaffirm its position. And as I say, their biblical position uh, coincides with political policies in their countries, uh, as and culturally has an influence on the interpretation of the Bible. And all of these things come together. It's playing out right now this week in England. Being part of the Anglican Communion, the Church has certainly taken a position of having a global theology. But that becomes difficult, it becomes really problematic because where is the absolutism in truth? What is regarded as biblical truth? In Zambia, I think that the what we saw in its history with KK and subsequently was that there was a, a, a vision uh, to offer refuge for those who were trying to pioneer a new way of reality. And that ought to be quite inspiring for, for all around the world. What I experienced in Zambia was that the church has a singular spirituality and conviction. And and you may think that it is, it is dogmatic, but it actually makes for good, um, firstly, for good mental health. <laughs> because you have a sense of conviction, and, and that overflows in a collective understanding of what the developmental goals are, where you ought to go, uh, what is the church's vision. There is no sense of confusion or ambiguity. And, and in this pursuit, there is this uh, understanding that the church needs to address contextual spiritual needs of the people uh, that, has, uh, that has the manifestation in disease, in poverty, famine, natural disasters, which culturally I think the African continent uh, often refers to and, re and aligns with spiritual, having spiritual origins. I visited a, mo a local market and one can buy a, a variety of African masks and each one of those masks is, is a pseudo-identity of the past that makes itself present in the, in, in the current. And, and that to me is quite poignant because it shows us just that there's a, a re-emergence, a rise of the African ethnicity. The uh, Gen Z's currently in South Africa, I think face a particular uh, identity crisis. Because they, they're stuck in this world between Western globalization and, and their uh, mother tongue, and they're losing their culture. And as they lose it, they're trying to revive who they are and what they are. And therefore, it has this emergence of a consciousness that drives them towards seeking identity, which is often um, confused and uh, not necessarily what their ancestors would want them to be, and yet uh, a, a corruption, perhaps even, of, uh, be between an emergence of various cultures in order to, to develop an identity. But what we see, of course, in Africa as a whole is, as this plays out in Zambia particularly, is that this consciousness of identity is overshadowed by fear. Because our identity gives us power. And if we lose that identity, we lose our power, and this is the one thing that we, 
that we want, and in Africa especially, there is the fear of opposition, and to suppress it at all means possible to retain the identity um, that is that gives us a sense of conviction. And all of this, as you see, uh, interplays and interfaces with one another, and what is playing out on the stages of the Lambeth Conference in England. And what this, I think, shows us is that, to, to some extent, there's a demise of globalization. The war in Ukraine is showing that we have become so dependent on one another that the, if the gas pipeline shuts its fuel from Russia to Germany, the German economy faces a, a fundamental, existential, even philosophical problem. Because they've based their economy for decades now on cheap gas and exporting goods and services around the world. And without that, Germany is facing an energy crisis like South Africa is facing energy crisis. Uh, and so as much as the war in Ukraine is causing a food crisis around the world. These have huge implications on us for inflation and the cost of living. Um, this should surely send warning signals of how do we see ourselves in a global, in a global economy, in the global village. And how does it and how does the need for collaboration truly look like? Back at the Lambeth Conference, the question is, as I've just mentioned, if the liberal West is trying to enforce its views on a conservative Africa, will the, will the likelihood of it not happening vice versa in the future? And therefore, I think South Africa plays a unique mediatory role. How can we offer a mediation between uh, literally continents, between people groups and, and factions, but, but groups within our very communion, our very community, our neighbor in the truest sense, not just people far away, but fellow Anglicans. And I'm glad to see that Archbishop Tabu Mahoba is one of the conveners of the, of the Lambeth Conference right now. But it has to start from a point of generosity that we, that we hear this morning in the scriptures, not of scarcity. We have created a false sense of scarcity in the global economy, and it has influenced our worldview on how we perceive even peoples, people groups. For Christians, there is no such thing as scarcity, only generosity. We see it in the atonement of the sacrifice of Christ, and this should, should play out in our evangelism. Yesterday, the Archbishop of York made us, uh, gave a keynote address, and he said, evangelism is this, one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That is generosity. And this is evangelism. The generosity that overflows from a point of view that um, the good news is good news. And it's only good news for those who find themselves ready to receive it. For those who are not puffed up and have blocked off their hearts and their souls because they have become so self-reliant. And generous, generosity offers peace. It offers hope. 
And it is in this radical spirit of giving that we need to truly have a paradigm shift in our internal workings of our worldview. It just uh, goes to show that how much we've internalized a sense of scarcity in our own, in our own being, that, that perhaps we are scared. We are scared to be the witnesses of Christ in this world. Where is the global church therefore going? One of the key things that we have uh, been able to achieve in our visit to Zambia is a collaboration and an exchange program for curates. We're hoping that in the near future, within this year or ne early next year, to invite curates from Zambia here to South Africa to come and serve, perhaps for a period of two or three weeks here at St. George's, for them to interact, to see what we are like and for us to go there and to see and experience what they are like. Because it is crucial for us at this point to expose ourselves and to expose particularly emergent leaders to different views and to the shared history. One thing that has become very evident to me when we were there is that as we started to peel back the layers of people and of the organizational structures, we realized that there are more similarities, actually, than differences. And taking Boitepo with us was, was strategic because for her to ex being exposed to that environment opens up her worldview into a shared identity to a shared understanding of the connection that as you walk into Oliver Tambo's house, you know that this person here had a vision for our, for our own country and it's been realized. And this is where the verse comes into play so poignantly in Colossians this morning, where it says that Jesus is all in all. Christ is all in all. And I think that this verse, this understanding that Christ is all in all, gives us an ethic of unity and of forgiveness. Forgiveness of the wrongs that we have done. How do we therefore handle ourselves politically, commercially, and interpersonally? If Christ is all in all, how do we uh, view others and the other? At first, I think that this verse, that Christ is all in all, gives a very cosmic understanding of what the Christ is. Firstly, I would say that the messianic figure is present in every culture. KK was a messianic figure, as it were, to the Zambians at the time. Oliver Tambu was, to some extent, a messianic figure for the South Africans. And yet, these were fallen humans. People were faults. People with um, that their failures have become quite evident later on in years. Because I think, you know, how do we, how do we ultimately uh, look for, the, for the, what is the ultimate source of our communion and unity? Unity is an anthropological absolute. We all look for it. How do we know that? Well, you know, we find our sense of identity collectively. We, we build our sense of recognition, our sense of self-esteem on what others think of us. And yet sociologically, the greater the unity is and the more porous the space becomes, the quicker we build walls to defend ourselves and to, and to secure again a sense of enclosure. And this is the problem of our, of our humanity.
And therefore, what we're seeing is that there are no longer just a monogamy of space, but a polygamy of space. In Africa, at least, we have multiple identities and multiple allegiances and loyalties. But for Christ in us, there's a liberating power that says we have to offer freedom. For the church, there is this driving force to say that we're not just offering comparative views of what the church should be, but we are offering a truly an alternative view of what life could be. And this is the power of the Creator working in us to offer and create imaginative, creative, new ways and solutions to the world that we're facing and the changes that we are going to face in the very near future. If Christ is all in all, it asks for a truly generosity of spirit in all of us. How can you be truly the ones who witness in this world? How can you face up realistically to this idea of the fallenness of our world? And how can we offer creative solutions? Amen.